0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm so glad you chose to join us tonight. I think we're in for a very powerful conversation. The topic tonight is Loving to the End and On, and our guest is Lynn B. Robinson, Ph.D. We're going to bring Lynn on in just a minute. But I I just wanted to talk about um, kind of like cultural stigmas, cultural um, shadows, cultural... Taboos, if you will, and certainly I think death is one of those. It's a curious thing. We all have that episode, our our own mortality. We all have that moment of transition coming, and and yet to talk about it can be such a um, a difficult topic for people. It can be a a, a point of Fear or anxiety or the unknown or whatnot, and yet um, I think there's a lot of, uh, I guess, gift to it in in that when you when you understand the the mechanism of death and and let me be clear, I am not trivializing the pain of of. That we can feel when we lose a loved one, but the, the process of death in and of itself is as natural as the process of birth. And, and so to kind of peel away the, the dogma, the stigma, and give ourselves permission to, to just talk about it. I mean, you, you can listen to this episode with no skin in the game. And uh, um, I'm just curious to see where this goes. I'm delighted to have Lynn as our guest tonight. Um, I mean, imagine if we were to imagine a book of love stories that is actually a book about dying. Imagine a book that assists families, friends, doctors, and nurses in making end-of-life illnesses less stressful and more filled with love. In Lynn's book, Loving to the End and On, A Guide to the Impossibly Possible, she, she combines both of those into one. She uses her skills and experiences as a business professor, management consultant, hospice volunteer, intuitive, and after-death communicator to weave exceptional, intimate, complex, and physical end-of-life stories with transcendent possibilities. I think we should get right to it. Join me in welcoming Lynn to the show. Lynn, I'm so delighted you're joining us tonight.
0: And I am so glad to be here, and I'm so grateful to you for this opportunity to just talk about the thing that we're all going to face, we all do face. We have it with loved ones. You and I had spoken before, and we're talking about how difficult it is sometimes when it's with a child or with a baby. And frequently, they're really more tuned in than we are and um, find, you know, normalcy in what we dread, many of us dread it. I mean, I've had a really long, wonderful life, and so I'm not looking forward to leaving this physical plane. But on the same token, I am looking forward to moving on and, and still being available. And it's uh, it's an exciting thing to, to think about, really. I've had so many wonderful opportunities to um, bring messages to other people, you know, Les, I don't know how this happened. I mean, you just said, you know, I've got a doctorate in business. I've been a, a business professor. I've chaired a you know, a department. I've run an MBA program. I've been a consultant for everything from mom and pop shops to Fortune 500 um companies. I've spoken to groups in various countries around the world and not about death and dying. Um, in those instances, that's been a shadow part of my, my life, I suppose. Twenty years ago, I wrote a book called Coming Out of Your Psychic Closet, How to Unlock Your Naturally Intuitive Self, because I had been using intuition all of my life and wondered why more people didn't. And interspersed in all of that was the, the times when I would get messages for friends from their loved ones and then how, figure out, how am I going to deliver this? I mean, I don't even know if this person believes that you can communicate when you're no longer in a physical body. And um, so, it. you know, sometimes it can be tough. I remember a really good friend and colleague of mine had lost his wife to cancer, and I was floating in a swimming pool trying to unwind and relax and began to see things in a cloud. And... They began taking shape, and I realized I was looking at his wife. Well, it's not like really looking at her physically. I mean, I have to be honest about that. But, I mean, I got the the sense that I'm I'm seeing his wife. And then I, I began seeing objects that she was obviously showing me. And one of them I had a really, really hard time getting, and I finally did. And when I got out of the pool, I thought, you know, I've got to tell my friend about this. Because he's grieving so much but how do I do it? And I you know, finally worked up the courage and and told him what had happened and the first I described the item that was hardest to get and then the others. When I finished all that description he said, Well, Lynn, I wanna tell you about the first one but nobody knows about this but my wife and me. It was a secret between the two of us. Well, I'll be honest with you, Les. I mean, you probably could have picked me up off the floor. <laughs> that and and I'm thinking, is this mental telepathy? Did I really pick this? I mean, why in the world would I, at any rate, so long, you know, move on? Um, he shared that with me, and then he said, "But you're going to have to tell my daughters about the other stuff because I have no clue what those are." And I said, "I can't do that. I don't even know if you know what they feel about this." And he said, "Well, you're going to have to do it. I can't." And with that. We were sitting in his office. There was a knock on the door, and he opened it, and it was his younger daughter. And he said, i got to go, but Lynn has something she wants to tell you. (laughs) Putting you on the spot. He absolutely put me on the spot. So I told her the story, and, of course, she burst into tears, and she's crying. And, fortunately, he had some Kleenex on his desk because we're still there in his office, just the two of us, and he's gone. And we're hugging and crying, and then she said, well, I can, I can tell you what Dad didn't know. And she began explaining to me the other things that I had seen, and there were things that had belonged to herself and to her sister. And stuff, you know, their dad wouldn't have even been conscious of, maybe doll clothes or something. I don't even remember anymore. And sure. so then we hugged, and, you know, she said, Why can't I talk to her? And she, I said, Well, just do, just talk. And maybe you won't hear her, but she'll hear you. And we hugged and smiled, and it was really, once I got over the fear of, of telling it to, to them, and they got over the shock of hearing it, it was a really wonderfully intimate moment of time for all of us. And that's the kind of thing everybody can have, if, if, if they'll just open up to it
1: sure i mean you talk about your uh, academic uh, accomplishments and then you talk about writing books about psychic abilities and and dying there seems to be like two sides of a spectrum there i mean how is it for you to to um become an author with these topics and yet still have um momentum in the academic community
0: well, I am retired now from the academic. Well, that, well, I'm actually still on a committee at the university, but I'm I'm, an, I'm a professor emeritus, so I'm not really there on a regular basis anymore. But um, you know, Les, you said it's the opposite ends of the, I think it's a continuum, and I've just learned to live maybe a, along a more extensive continuum than some people open themselves to. And so I guess then the question would be, well, how do you do that, and and how do you open yourself to communication from loved ones? Because I mean, all of us, I miss the, I miss the people who are gone from their physical bodies in my life. Um, I just had a birthday recently, and I had one of my dear friends. In fact, it's chapter one in the book. Um, that we were born two days apart in in a hospital, and we went through his her, her husband's death together, and then not too long thereafter she died, and we were supposed to live to be in our 90s together. Both of our fathers had lived to be in their 90s, and we had often joked about that. But she's she's gone now, and so how do you how do you open yourself up to communication? And and to me, you just have to relax and allow yourself to think, well, maybe what I thought was just my imagination wasn't my imagination. And then next time, pay more attention to it. Um, People find messages in all kinds of ways. Sometimes it's they had joked with one another, you know, if I die before you... I'm going to make sure you, every time you look down at the pavement, you're going to find a penny. I actually know that's happened to a friend who found pennies constantly for a short period of time after somebody died. There's a, a story in, in my book, this is a little brief paragraph, but about a mother who told her daughter, um, you know, when after I die, I'm going to come back as a, a bird. It's a specific kind of bird, the story's in the book, Um and you'll see me in the trees outside of my house because I've always loved that bird. So after she died, the sister actually was cleaning out the house and looked out the window, and there was not just one but a whole group of birds in the tree. And she remembered that mother's story and was, oh, my goodness, maybe it is, Mom. And now she and her sister both believe it was, and it's, and they cherish that. Can I prove it? No, I can't prove it. But I can prove that it expands the capacity to continue loving. And that's the really big part, is that the love never has to leave and can really continue to be experienced in visceral ways, not just in memory. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps as I speak to you now. Um, It's there if we want it. And claim it, and even look for little signs and symbols and um, and in dreams, a lot of times because when you're dreaming, there's a you've got different brain activity going on than when you're concentrating in different brain rate frequencies and and so sometimes things seep through. For those people who can't remember what they dream. Keep a pencil and paper by your bed and jot down a few notes in the morning to remind yourself. It a lot of people find that really helpful.
1: Sure. I don't know if you've well, ever experienced
0: you, that, but it well, can you know be
1: very the helpful. the the you know, leaving pennies on the pavement or birds outside the window. Um I think our our loved ones um know perhaps um what would work and what wouldn't like for myself when my mom passed which was boy 30 years ago at the time I wasn't metaphysical at all I wasn't I didn't even swim in the pond I was a television (laughs) transmitter engineer and I didn't have any wherewithal to even think outside the box and my mom passed away and uh it really clobbered me um and uh, it was about two weeks later after she passed. And I was a dad and and a father, you know, and a husband, whatnot. And uh, it's two weeks later, and I'm still bawling my head off. And uh, like, like you said, um, I had a dream. And in that dream, my mom was sitting in a chair, and all uh siblings were gathered around her and I was next to her and I had my hand on her on her leg and she had the um, she had this clammy skin as she got older and she picked up my hand and it, boy did it feel so real she picked up my hand and squeezed it and put my hand back down on my leg as to tell me that you know hey I'm fine I'm gone but I'm fine and you got to get on with your life. And it was um you were right, it was through a dream that my mother brought comfort to her youngest child when he couldn't find it for himself.
0: Well, I, I it doesn't surprise me and it's a wonderful story and it is a wonderful example of what can happen. And it also brings to mind how we can help our loved ones When they are in the process of leaving their body, some people do it really quickly and other people linger for a while and go in and out of consciousness. And I hope those people who are listening realize that hearing is usually the last sense to go. And I'm not always convinced that it's physical hearing on the part of of your loved one who's dying is some awareness, consciousness, and when they do come in and out of true consciousness and talk to you, they can often tell you things that they have heard and seen. Of course, there are a lot of the stories about the people who've had near-death experiences who are floating you know, above an operating table and can describe every uh, instrument that was used during the operation and talk about the conversations that the physicians and nurses have had And it's of course it's very unnerving to to the medical personnel to know that the person on the table who they think they've lost and hadn't has actually been there observing everything they were doing. So there are wonderful stories about that, Um, not only in my book, but you know there's there's a lot of information available now if people will be open to it and look for it. Um, And there there are also the deathbed visions that people have and. You know, it's really, really interesting to me that there are a lot of stories about um, people who are dying and they talk about someone's coming to get them and right. they'll describe who's coming to get them and frequently they'll they'll do it in terms of some form of transportation. Um, there's a, a book that's out with the subtitle Jesus is Coming to Get Me in a White Pickup Truck. And I remember, well, that's the subtitle. But the white pickup truck really got to me because in another story, I had read where a a man on his deathbed had said, You know, it's really getting close to time for me to leave because the chauffeur is waiting for me in the circle, which there was a circular driveway, he was in a hospital. And he's there with the white limousine. So, right. you know, white pickup truck, white limousines, the people who actually see trucks and cars generally see them as being white. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know why. But it's it's throughout the literature you read that of the stories of other people. I just, I find it fascinating without being able to explain it. But they seem to know when someone's coming to get them, and well, of course you know, they also and, talk, they they talk you know. about the people who are in the room with them. Um, I had um, a relative um, call me. Well, actually, a relative of a relative. She wasn't directly related, but someone who was related to me. Her grandmother kept call, you know saying, "This this person who sits in the chair in my room every night." And I don't know what she wants, and my—I mean—it's an indirect relationship. But anyway, the the person closer to me said, "Well, I don't know what to tell you about that. You have to call in." (laughs) So.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So so we we called, and I said, "Well, is this person bothering you?" Oh no, this person's very nice. They just come and visit every night, and I said, "Well." Enjoy them. That's a good thing. And yeah, it wasn't, wasn't too long that she died after that.
1: In the medical profession, I mean, death is a, a, a pretty common thing in hospitals. And if you work in a hospital, you, you're you in the presence of people who are transitioning. Absolutely. And, and even their loved ones. So... So what would you say to uh, the medical practitioner, a doctor, a nurse, whatever, that doesn't, I mean, maybe they've started to experience some of this and they don't quite know how to, I mean, how to, what advice would you perhaps suggest to those professionals when it relates to the, the patient that is, is in the process of transitioning?
0: Be open. That's the stride, regardless of your own personal beliefs, regardless of how steeped in science you are. I like to tell people suspend your your disbelief. If you don't believe this is possible, suspend your disbelief and be there with the patient. Be there with what that person is. Is experiencing and support them. Some medical people are amazing about doing that. Not not all of them um, turn away from it. And I think a lot of times it maybe it has to do with their specialty um, and how close they do get to that. Even some medical people are, are afraid a little bit. I think of death. Um, but again, it's just. Be with the person and listen. Don't contradict. Allow that person to have the experience. Um, I, I can hear people in the back of my head saying, well, what if they're hallucinating? What if it's the, we've got the wrong drugs and so forth? Well, okay, that may be a possibility. Check it out however you need to check it out, but allow the piece, person to feel loved. If the person is having... Traumatic things happen, and I've only been told one story ever by someone who had a traumatic experience in a near-death experience, and it, it was a, a very striking one um, that this um, person had a near-death experience and felt cloistered and clobbered and so forth and, and was in a dark tunnel and got scared and finally said, ask for help reached out and asked for help, and the moment he reached out and asked for help, the darkness got a little less so, but it was still a dark tunnel, and that was repeated two or three times, and finally this person had an expression towards the deity in which he believed, and all of us have, in, depending on where we are in the world, we have may have different faith traditions, and so he called out in the name of his faith tradition And when that happened, the dark tunnel disappeared and he experienced lightness and joy and moved on into a whole different sort of experience. Um, But then he was revived because it was a near-death experience and he was uh, brought back to consciousness and his heartbeat was stimulated and his pulse came back again. Um, But he clearly remembered all of that that happened. It changed his life. It changed his life. He became much more oriented to helping other people and to being grateful for the time that he has still in this body and to the work that he needs to complete. Um, for himself and for others. And by work, I don't necessarily mean it's all spiritual. There may be actual physical things that he needs to accomplish and things he can provide for other people. That's the only negative one that anybody has ever told me. Uh, I do think sometimes people get what's called trapped in a space, and um, medical personnel need to, to help people move on uh, and allow them the um personal bandwidth to do what they need to do and if they don't want to believe it to at least honor the experience that's being told to them so that's what i would say and i would add to that if you don't know a lot about this subject then start learning and my book's a great book to start with in fact as long as I get to say this on your radio show. Thank you very much. There are chapters in the book that are not just about near-death experiences and deathbed visions and talking to people no longer in their physical bodies. There, there's also some information about um, treating people more effectively in in stages of life and ways one can communicate. I, I can't help but bring a little management um, idea here and there into the book and some specific communication techniques and ways to think about communicating that are brought into the book. And also at the end of the book, there's a a tremendous resource section if somebody wants to learn more in any one particular area of the information that I talk about in the book. And I also include a list of movies and descriptions of the movies that touch on some of these topics if somebody just wants to – kick back and, you know, get something on Netflix or get a tape or whatever they still do and have some popcorn and watch a movie to see how all this works. Um, it's That's easy to do, you know. It's fun, too.
1: Well, so what would you say to um, an individual that's coming up against their own mortality in the sense that maybe they've been diagnosed with a, uh, uh, terminal disease, and, and they've basically been told, you know, you're on your way out. It's only a matter of time. So often we can kind of totally ignore the topic, and then sometimes it gets thrown in front of us in very blunt ways. How can an individual themselves who are... Uh, Approaching their own mortality, um, what would you say to them as far as the process of dying?
0: There are a couple of stories in the book about things that that I have done with that. You you brought to mind a number of another of my really dearest friends, and um, she had a life-threatening d- disease, and then. Um, developed pneumonia, so she knew that her death was approaching, and we had had a lot of conversations about this sort of thing over the years. And when she found out um, how sick she really was, she was able to say, "I can go now," um, and that's a, a good place to start is to say, "I can go now." If Obviously, if you are wondering if there's going to be an afterlife and you've never considered this before, then find people to talk to who can help you with that. Read books that can help you with that. Look at some of the... the, I can't remember the name. Let me try to remember the name of the first movie in the book. Um, It's it's an old one, and it's a woman who had a near-death experience and... Um, and she survived it and became a healer. And I know it was um, Ellen Bernstein. Bernstein—that's a name most young people wouldn't know. The name of the mu- the the movie was Resurrection. And she discovers that she can heal people, and so she helps them understand. Although. A lot of people um made her life difficult because there wasn't nearly as much knowledge about n d e s so i I would say, in addition to reading, if you can find a local group that um is a compassionate group or is a near death experience group or an after death communication group and um there are websites now where you can get that kind of information. Uh, International Association of Near-Death Studies has a tremendously good website where you can access a lot of information, and you can read stories there. If you don't want to read a whole book, they have stories of near-death experiences. Um, There are conferences. There's a conference that's going to be in Orlando in November called the Afterlife Conference. I personally know the, the woman who began that conference because Um, she had a son die he was eight or nine years old when he died and he began talking with her after his death and she had to learn to do something about that she has since become a hospice chaplain and she has started this afterlife conference and her conference has wonder it'll be as i said in orlando i think it's in um in a couple of months and you can look it up, the Afterlife Conference. If you, if you use the Internet, you can look it up. And that's a great opportunity. The um, International Association of New Death Studies has a conference every year. You can attend that and meet people who have actually had these experiences. I mean, it, it, you said, you know, what if somebody's been diagnosed? I guess if it's a really quick um expectation like, oh, my goodness, we've just discovered you have whatever and you've got three months to live. Well, first of all, that doesn't necessarily make it three months. But in in that instance, you can't travel to the meetings. But you can certainly look it up and seek out local people. Ask somebody, do you know anybody? I get phone calls from time to time from people who said, so-and-so told me to call you, and is it okay if you just talk to me? And, of course, I've done that. Um, and I think others are more than happy to help people. On the other hand, there are some folks that are not open, and unfortunately some people are members of churches or other organizations that say this can't be and are not open to it. I do remember years ago, in our, our local ions group. And I started that, not because I'm a near-deather I'm not, but I was just empathetic with them because I talk to people who are no longer in body, so I can I can understand what happened with the near-death experience. And I wanted people to have a place to go. Well, at any rate, this one young woman came, and um, her family did not accept what had happened. And she was very unhappy about that. Um, she was having a difficult time with her husband, she had to change churches because her church would not accept that, so she found one that would. So those are things that that can be done. and if you find somebody you know to to talk to who's empathetic, that's a wonderful thing.
1: I mean what what this is pointing to really is the is the continuity of life in that the transition into what we would call death is not the death of the persona or the person, if you will, the consciousness, but it's um, shedding of the physical body and the consciousness continues on. That, that continuity, I think, is might be the, some of the uh, conscious or unconscious fear that people might have towards death in that, well, when I die, I'll be gone and and that that sense of mortality kicks it on but what you're really talking about here with really countless examples is well there's a continuity of consciousness it's not the end of the game so to speak as far as the essence of who you are what do you think
0: well at it certainly seems to go on in not only to go on but be able to interact with other conscious beings and um that's the the beauty of it that's the the um the healing part of that and that's the the softer part of that if you if you wanted to say life starts and stops I mean, just go backwards, Les. Where does it really come from, you know? The the sperm meets the egg? Come on, give me a break. Um, (laughs) That's the physical stuff. Where does the consciousness come in? And there are all kinds of... There's a lot of information out there about that, and there are books written about that. That's not my forte of writing, but there's a lot that you can learn about that also, and whether or not you know that consciousness can weave back and forth through in in many different ways, but um, yeah, it is a continuity of consciousness. And um, my my focus has evidently what I've been drawn to, what I'm here maybe to help myself and others do is be aware that death is not an end. That um, It's an opening of a different sort, and that it sometimes is painful to leave your body. It certainly is painful for those of us who are left behind not to be able to touch and feel. That's the thing I miss the most. You know, I may be able to communicate with someone in this non-conscious, well, non-physical realm, conscious realm, yes, non-physical But sometimes I actually miss the physical touch, actually. But even there, some people smell perfume, and it's the perfume or the aftershave of the person they love. Uh, I even know people who have felt the presence of someone uh, in bed with them, a a spouse who is no longer in their body, but they felt it. I've, I've even known people who've awakened, and there's been an impression in the pillow where the other person right. normally slept, even though there was never a body on that side of the bed and right. so but the well, you know the the head, impression of the head was still there
1: it can seem like a, a like an internal tug of war i mean you can you can go to these conferences you can um, uh, research the the near death experience and the communication with Folks on the other side of the veil, and then there's the tangible reality. I think um, for myself, uh, I'm, it's, it's, there's several examples in my life of people who have either lost a parent or are about to lose a parent from just flat-out age, where they're 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 running out of steam to keep their body going, and a parent. I mean, I don't want to. A parent is such a, a pivotal person, typically in a in someone's life. It can I can imagine a real tug of war going. Holy crap! I, you know, I'm I'm not going to have any parents that are alive, and my mom's here right now. All I want to do is ball my head off, and yet. The the parent themselves might have anxiety. I mean, how do you juggle that, being there and loving them, and still process your own feelings of, of the mortality and, and what's going on?
0: I think each of us does it our own way. And sometimes you can process it with the person and talk about what's going on. You know, if you're asking me, and I think in some ways you are, if you're asking me to give you a way to take away the pain, to come up with a magic self or a magic way of thinking about loss, I'm the wrong person to ask. I don't think we can do that. I think it's part of who we are to love and to know that we're going to miss that physical love We're going to have to live with that pain. It simply is part of the process. At the same time, I mean, I can remember when my father died, and there's a whole chapter about that and some of the things that I wish that I had known so that we could have cared for him better, and hopefully a lot of those things are going to help other people. But at the same time, I mean, he was 98 and a half, his body was worn out. It was time for him to go. I could celebrate that and try to help him leave his body. At the same time, I was crushed. I mean, I'd had him for so long, and I knew that I would miss him. I would miss the physical body. It's what I was saying earlier. The physical misses the physical. I have not found a way around that. At the same time, the emotional and spiritual limb, can connect with the emotional and spiritual being of a friend or maybe of a loved one of a friend who wants to get a message through to the living and I happen to be the vehicle I can do that I cannot absolve myself of having a physical body I have one and my that physical body misses the physical aspect of another body. I might get a, a brief feel like I was being touched by someone but it's it's fleeting. I think there's a story in this book I really am confused as to whether it was the earlier book or this one. I think it was this one. Of or maybe even of stories in both of sometimes when I'm getting a message from someone for another person I I feel such a strong emotion. I have felt sometimes as though someone was pouring love through the top of my head. Those people who are into chakras would say through the crown chakra, that it's just this immense, powerful feeling of love. I don't know a better word than love to say it, but just so positive, so filling, so warm, so special, pouring through me. It threw the top of my head and into my heart, and the heart just almost bursting with this incredibly wonderful feeling. And I know it's for the other person. It's not really for me. It's coming to me for that person. And on a couple of occasions, I've just said, could I please hug you and let's just try to, you know, heart to heart touch each other and hope that maybe... You can feel some of what I'm feeling because this person loves you so much that I'm feeling as though my heart is bursting with the love. Occasionally, not very often, but occasionally the other person has actually felt it. And it is amazing, but it's still not that person's physical body. And I don't know what to tell you about that, Les. You just have to be willing to let go. And and you just have to know that you're going to experience pain and pleasure. You can have both, but it's hard to just have the pleasure.
1: I agree. I I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not trying to coax you into some kind of disparity. The uh um, last year um I lost a loved one. Um, we had started in television almost side by side. He was a brother of mine from a different mother, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And very early in our careers in television, we started working together. And over the decades, um, we did all kinds of things, and my soul had been showing me these visions of television and my future, and I just knew my my dear friend, Elliot, would be there. I just knew it. I mean, we had set, our souls had chose this lifetime to to work in TV, and he got cancer, and he went all the way through cancer, and he he was deemed healed of cancer, and he went back home. And so I'm thinking, okay, his soul just wanted to you know wake him up a little bit. We're back in the game. Here we go, and he had a relapse, and he went back in the hospital for a checkup. And I was talking to him on the phone, and we're talking about he he was inventor. He had many patents. He's talking about a microphone design. He said, "Hey, you know what? I'll call you next week, and we can um, see how that, see how the new design works." So I hang up the phone, and what I didn't know is, well, he died, and his family didn't have a funeral, and they pretty much immediately cremated him. Well, so he was he was gone. And physically, physics's gone physically that's right, and yes. i i I'm not here to downplay the pain I mean, I'm sitting here talking about the continuity of life and and blah blah blah, but my God, my God, does that like I think you suggested it's that physical um plane or aspect of ourselves that man that that brought me to my knees. That was uh, that was an extremely painful event because it, it was so unexpected. And right. I know it's because of how much love I had for him.
0: And, and so, you know, you know I, so you worked through the pain, right?
1: I I didn't I don't push pain away. I feel like it's there for a reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I did work through the pain and there was a lot of it, but yes, I did.
0: And one of the ways she worked through it was by remembering all the good things, the non-physical things, the the what you were able to do together, and your feelings for each other, and those didn't change.
1: Oh yeah.
0: And that's one of the things that helps. Maybe we ought to have an experiment. Maybe we ought to ask the people who are listening to think of someone who they um, who's Physical body has left and reimagine that physical body and touching it again, and then um, thinking of that physical body and how much it was loved as you are imagining touching it, and see if that brings in the expansion of loving feelings, no matter how long ago the physical body was lost, because you can still bring in the feelings that go with that and perhaps even welcome a message of some kind, and it can come in so many different ways. And it would just be wonderful if the people who are listening to us now can bring in for themselves the experience of love and the memories of love and the possibility of continuing love, whether you're in a physical body or whether you're going to leave yours. And then reconnect when neither of you are in physical bodies. It's all out there.
1: Wow, that's very it's all beautiful. Non-stop. I like that. Good. Well, it's a wonderful thing, but nobody gets out alive. Well, <laughs> it's.
0: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, we were in some form became before we were here alive. So you know. Yeah. It's, it's, just that continuum.
1: i like to say uh, nobody had an ego when they were born, so um, if their ego is afraid of dying, it it wasn't a part of their essence when they showed up in the first place. It's something they created. It's like a work of art, perhaps, of their lifetime. Well, now, so you've written these books, um, and you talk about... Um Interaction with people can you share with our audience um any services like uh i i don't want to put words in your mouth like uh consultation or coaching or whatnot that you might have in other words um what do you offer share that with us?
0: Well, the only thing that I am offering now other than my book is I have a website www.lenb.robinson.com, where you can get in touch with me and um if if you have a question or a comment, you're able to write it to me there. I I I do occasionally um bring in messages, but it's only for friends. I I'm not a professional medium. I am no longer a management consultant. I am simply sharing the love story that I think is part of my past this time in this lifetime. Um, I am speaking to you on the radio. I have in the past traveled and spoken to groups, and that can be arranged. It takes some lead time um I don't travel as much as I once did, um, but I I do still do some of that. So I am available uh, for that, and you know we can talk about what the arrangements might be. So if there's something that um, I can do to help you, and you uh, want to send me an email, you've got the website address, and and that's the way to go. And I suggest first, of course, that you read the book and then you find out whether or not I'm even somebody that you want to get in touch with. Um, and and you can also find in the book a lot of other resources that can be helpful to you. Is that what you're looking for, Les?
1: Well, sure. Um, we're going to talk about the, uh, how to get your book in just a bit. But I wanted to um, – there was one other topic that I think we talked about a few days ago when we chatted, and that's and the notion of um, – People who uh, who are um, a lot of us have a kind of a subconscious anxiety of our mortality. It's almost like we're we're um, um, uh, subconsciously anxious about the volatility of life, of the of of our own mortality. Even though it might not be in our everyday thoughts, sometimes we can get to the point where we're like sitting on our hands because. Life seems um, kind of, uh, I don't want to say futile, but volatile and dynamic, and it can make us uh, anxious about even showing up in our life. I I think that some of the um, undercurrent value of understanding um, the continuity of life is to relax into who we are, to relax into the physical body while we still have one and to know that our consciousness has this continuity so we can show up in a more uh fully uh present way in a, a more fully intentional way where i think sometimes we avoid taking risk or or trying new um dynamics in our life because of that, that undercurrent of, well, I better not get too risky here because life's, life's uh, volatile. I, but, but in truth, boy, our mythology is loaded with stories of very powerful souls that show up and kind of pierce through the dogma, see a vision of what can be, and they engage it so fully. It's kind of like the opposite of being anxious, is that wholehearted engagement of life.
0: Well, I agree with that, and I agree that if you're comfortable with the fact that life does continue, and again, you know, reading some of the stories in my book and and reading other things, watching some of the movies, can make you more comfortable with the fact that there is something beyond the physical then you can go fully into the physical and enjoy it while you have it knowing that it is just a piece of who you are it's it's on the road but it isn't the road it isn't the vehicle it's just part of a bigger picture and whatever you do it's going to enhance your opportunity to be more of who you are if you just as you were saying just Relax and go with it. Um, Embrace that you're more than your physical body. I I, I just love that phrase. I'm more than my physical body. And I think that that in itself, if you can just remind yourself of that, you can quit sitting on your hands, as you say, quite as much. I think it's helpful. Sure.
1: So about your book, now,
0: Who is this book written for? Well, it's written for anyone who wants to know more about their own possibility of being fully human and uh, living beyond the physical body. It's written for people who have loved ones who are not well. It's written for people who know someday they will not be well. It's written for medical personnel, for hospice personnel. It deals with issues that come at end of life, but open to life beyond life. So it touches like everyone, that. and yet there are some really pra- there's some really practical information in there for hospice workers and physicians and nurses, as well as family members. So once you bring in family members, you really bring in everyone. But there is some there there is some very practical uh, information for the caring process that'll help medical personnel also. And yet, it's not a heavy text. It's a quick read. That's what people tell me. It's it's a quick yeah. read and and it's um well one woman has already written that it verified the the thought for her that after her son had died, he had communicated in a very unusual way, and she had dismissed it because of its unusualness. And then after reading my book, she said, well, you know what? I think it was real. And that's no. quite gratifying. And so... Well,
1: I'm holding it, your book it right is now. Something,
0: I'm sorry, but it, it, there is something... Depending on how you want to look at the book, as a I mean, those people who don't want the instructional part, glance over it or skip the track. The chat. instructional, in the sense of how to better care for people. If you, if you, what you want is the yes, there really is life after this life. Then concentrate on those chapters. It's a quick read. It's a short book, and I I think that um, there are a lot of people who will find it very useful, very gratifying. Um, And uh, heartwarming, that's what I'm told, makes people feel good.
1: The title, Loving to the End and On, A Guide to the Impossibly Possible. Where did that subtitle come from, A Guide to the
0: Impossibly Possible? (laughs) It came from me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's kind of, it's part of, how i function Uh, maybe it was uh, given to me um in the sense of you know through one consciousness and into my consciousness it came because there are people who do not think that one can communicate beyond the physical and so for them it is impossible but it isn't it's impossibly possible
1: i like it all right well tell us Tell us how we can get your book.
0: Well, the easiest way is um, just to go to either Barnes & Noble or on online or Amazon online. I don't know what bookstores may or may not have brought it in the inventory. It was published by Balboa Press, so you can go to their website. Um, but I know for sure you can get it uh, through Amazon or Barnes & Noble online. So uh, hopefully people will do that. Um, I would assume if you... I don't know that... You know, bookstores are funny these days about how much inventory they have, but I would think that any local bookstore could order it for you.
1: Sure. Well, we've just got a few minutes left. Do you have any closing thoughts for us?
0: um, Any closing thoughts? Yeah. Open your heart... Let the hearts of those that you love come through. Enjoy your memories of people you have loved. Embrace the people now who are leaving. And if you are the one who are, who is leaving, then open up and embrace, embrace those who are there to love you and know that um, saying goodbye is only saying goodbye to the physical. And that's a lot to say goodbye to. We've already admitted that. But just enjoy the time you have together. Um and and for for those who may have someone who now is is uh, comatose or close, remember that hearing is the last to go. Remember to keep telling them you love them and crawl in bed next to them and, and feel the warmth of each other and enjoy the physical body to the end and then enjoy what comes after. Communication will not stop. It's always there. Be open for it. And thank you for giving me this opportunity to share with everyone. Lynn, it's been
1: my pleasure having you as our guest on the show tonight. Thank you for being our guest.
0: I appreciate it.
1: We've been talking with Lynn Robinson about her book, Loving to the End, and on. It's really a, a, a nice read. It's, uh, I really enjoyed the book, and I think you might too. You know, I love bringing episodes like this to light because um, sometimes people, people don't even get around to really genuinely living because they're so of af- afraid of dying. And, and they don't um, fully engage what life has to offer. Life's <laughs> life is the most dynamic, curious, wonderful, expansive thing. You know, adventures and consciousness. It's just um, it's such a delight. I want to thank you, the listener, for showing up tonight. Um, we really appreciate having you join on the show. You can um, sign up for our newsletter at newhumanliving.com, and we always talk about um, ways to awaken power in you, to uh, em- empower you in your lo- own life purpose, in your own pure, authentic way. If you're not authentic to yourself, then you're not quite in harmony with your, your pure, authentic um, intentions. Hey, I'm your host, Les Jensen. I I really enjoy bringing episodes like this to you. Um, Thank you for sharing this time with us. It's been my pleasure. Until next time. This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.